You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Katherine Kambau. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of No Hacks Marketing Podcast. This is our fourth one on Core Web Vitals, I believe. And if it's your first time to listen, make sure to check out our previous episodes. There's a reason why we love talking about Core Web Vitals here, besides it being Stalbegan's favorite topic. And it's really because it has been a top of mind lately among website owners and business owners, thanks to Google's page experience update that rolled out sometime June. Today, we're delving into how we can use the tools made available by Google to effectively and continuously optimize and monitor our core web vitals. We're going to also share an actual case study of how a large publisher worked on their core web vitals and got amazing results. I believe 27% page views increase and even the revenue improved by 18%. So make sure to stick around until the end. Hey, Slobodan, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. This is your favorite topic. It's going great. Thank you for the introduction and good morning, afternoon, and evening to everyone listening to the podcast. Why this is my favorite topic for for the podcast? Well, it's something that I've been on for 10 plus years before the Core Web Vitals. Yeah, Yeah, before the Core Web Vitals, there was a small bunch of people who actually cared about performance. That was before we started shoving javascript libraries down everybody's throats and you could have actually built pages with html and css which apparently you can't do today because you need one megabyte of javascript but hey hey i'm just getting upset already i'm not going to do that we just started the episode the reason this is one of my favorite topics i wouldn't say the favorite the only one that's my favorite but one of the favorite topics is people should care about this this and privacy i would say are my 1A and 1B for sure. So people should care about mm-hmm. both this and privacy. And, and most people don't because they're sort of invisible. They, they're not like a, a broken leg that you notice and cannot forget about. This is something that hurts you slowly and does it for a very long time. And when you realize it's usually too late. So yes, I'm excited to talk about Core Web Vitals any day yeah, of the week really. Yeah, this is a different angle that we're this is different looking, yeah we're talking I'm, about I, now I, come on when you have a podcast you have to find angles right for every episode you have to have a different you can't Definitely. just repeat you yeah. can't do a remake we're not hollywood we don't do remakes here so what we're going to talk about today uh, is it's based on an article that i guess it's kind of a remake then that google published on their web.dev blog where they yeah some 10 days ago early august where they described what they call the web vitals loop and Mm -hmm. it's the cycle of evaluating your current situation with web vitals and performance in general debugging and optimizing the page and then monitoring and continuously developing and improving the page after you have done the initial debug and optimization work so it's a cycle evaluate optimize monitor evaluate optimize monitor because you can't just leave the page be and just keep it just doesn't work like that because pages tend to regress if you just keep adding stuff to them without being careful yep 
Yeah, I think this process or this model or this web vitals, they, they made this to make it easier for less technical people to work on and optimize their websites on a more efficient and friendly way. So either if you want to work with your developers or if you want to do it yourself, it's easy to learn. And like I said, they made a couple of tools available for free for us to implement this process from evaluation to optimization and to the continuous monitoring. So let's start with the first step, which is evaluating your website health and identify pain points. So when you're in this first um, step of the process, you usually have the the following questions. How's my website performing and does it need attention? Because let's admit it, like most website owners, they aren't even aware that their site has an issue in terms of optimization. It's just right, that right. it's there's content going, they're getting some leads, but they don't really look into optimization or their page performance scores. But because Google has started talking about the need to improve your page experience, now more more and more people are aware. So right. Um, so th- there's one thing I, I will disagree with there. I don't think most people don't care. I, I don't think that's true anymore. Because Google has used the scaring is caring approach. And now a lot of people are freaking out about their single number that they get for performance score on PageSpeed Insights being too low on mobile. And we'll talk about why that's not always a terrible thing. Why why that can also mean nothing and your website is doing well. But we'll get to that later. So people do care. People do care. People... A lot of people that we deal with actually know and plug number one, we can help you with your core web vitals optimization. We do that for a lot of clients. It's our favorite thing to do. Uh, So get in touch uh, with us. Hello at nohacksmarketing.com if that's where you need help. What we're noticing is that more and more people not only care, but they know how they stand because they're running some tasks. They're running the, the page speed insights, audits and all that stuff. That's the first thing you need. The website owner or website manager really needs to not necessarily. I'm not not going to say, yeah, I'm not going to say necessarily get their page speed inside score. They need to care about website performing well, not just Mm -hmm. to trick Google by showing them the right numbers, but they need to care about performance for sake of performance and human users. Like this is what, what, what it all is about. Yes. By optimizing the page, Google bot will have, an easier time working with it, crawling it, but it also helps your users. It's going to help your key metrics. It's going to fix your bounce rate, conversion rate, everything. So this is why you should be doing it because there's a human that Mm -hmm. is upset. And I'll just quote what I think Will Ferrell said a long time ago, never marry someone before you see them on a slow internet connection. There's nothing that gets people mad like a slow website i've been saying that a couple of times in a lot of episodes already so while we're saying we'll keep repeating that this is part of google's rollout it's really more for your users because they will interact with your site and they need to be able to do so do the action the conversion that you want in a smooth seamless friendly way so this is one way or one of the major ways to do it you, first, if you are not aware, you can. This step is where you you use the tools to see where you stand. But if you are the 
person who is really looking at or checking your page performance scores. You should also, in this process, you have to look, have your page performance scores degraded and which pages, if it's degrading, which pages, which metrics are suffering, and probably even what devices should you prioritize. So, Slobodan, right. how do we get started on this phase? Right. The Web Vitals loop I mentioned earlier is a three-step process. We talked about evaluation, optimization, and then continuous monitoring. The first step is evaluation. And there are three main tools you can use for this that are all provided by Google. First is the Crux dashboard to measure the overall health of your website. So this is going to tell you how you're doing with three core Web Vitals for your website overall. Meaning, And I just have to, sorry, interject go ahead. that. All the links, all the tools that we are going to mention here will provide on the description. So you can check out the description to see for yourself. Good point. Yeah. So the Crux dashboard is is an overall bird's eye view, call it whatever you want, that tells you how you're doing with Core Web Vitals. It's going to tell you that, for example, for your LCP, it's split by desktop and phone. And for your LCP, it's going to tell you that maybe... 67.5% of page views for the entire website are good, have good score for LCP, which means under 2.5 seconds. Same thing with needs improvement and poor and same thing for the phone Same and for the other two core web vitals. So what, what you can use this for is to see just how bad or how good the overall situation is. This is what you use Crux dashboard and Crux is Chrome user experience dashboard We'll have the link in the description of this episode. It you just connect it to your data studio and you can read you can read the data that Google collects from Chrome users visiting your website. So this is something that this field data, this is not run in a in a lab test, this is from actual users visiting your website. And that's why it's important to know how many of them are getting a good experience, how, how many are getting poor experience. This is a great starting point. However, it doesn't tell you anything about individual pages, where the problems are, so it's not enough. Step right. two, you need to go to your search console to Google identify which pages, which pages need attention. They have a report there for Core Web Vitals and, and for page experience as well uh, that will tell you how many URLs are getting poor experience for any of the Core Web Vitals. So this is where you can click and expand that. You can identify which templates have an issue or which pages have an issue. And the difference, the main difference between Crux Dashboard, which is per page view and Search Console data, which is per URL, is let's say you have a, a website with a million page views a month. And you have one page that gets 900,000 of those page views each month. And if that page is bad, that means, that means that Crux will tell you your website is horrible. It's not doing well at all. But if that page uh, has good experience, then Crux will tell you, of course, you're doing well. What Search Console will tell you is that you have one page that is bad and everything else is good, which is misleading you you cannot just say i'm i'm 99 there you're not right. because you have one both. page that's affecting yep. everything you need you need to look at both you need to start with crux and then move on to search console and once search console has told you what the situation is like which pages need attention you can use page speed insights or any other lighthouse power tool lighthouse is uh, is a page auditing tool that tells you all of these metrics and and suggestions on how to fix them 
you use PageSpeed Insights on each one of those pages and you find out, you take a deep dive on the entire user experience and uh, look at all those metrics and see what needs fixing. Right. That's Search Console and Crux. And then the last is PageSpeed The PageSpeed Insights. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the page level. Yep. The yep. I'm a, PageSpeed Insights, yes. Like I said, it's Lighthouse-based. You can go to PageSpeed Insights website or you can just run Lighthouse in your browser. You can order whatever you want. This is a lab data test. You can use PageSpeed Insights API as well. This is lab data. It, it uses a, an, a slower connection and an old mobile device to test your website. And that's where you may get a low Lighthouse score on mobile because I think it's Moto G4 and a slow 4G connection that's used in that test, which is why in Crux Dashboard, you may have perfect scores for your mobile visitors because they use modern devices and they use fast connections, but PageSpeed Insights will tell you you have a problem and you right. really don't. Right. Before you move forward, if you're listening to core about this topic, Core Vitals for the first time, maybe it's also um, good to just quickly describe what the Core Web Vitals are. So Sobran mentioned cumulative layout shift. That's the um, stability of your website, largest content for paint. That's the page responsiveness or loading. And then the last is first inventory that I get out there. That's the interactivity. Right. That is correct. So they measure three key components of user experience of loading a page. How fast yeah. it is, how quickly it's loading, how quickly it becomes interactive, and how stable is the layout as the page is loading. So even though this is a, a machine testing another machine, essentially, this these are the metrics that will benefit our real users as well. Your users. Great. So anything else to add there on that first step? Evaluate anything that's pretty basic not really what i what i would say is that you need to start doing this if you're not doing it already this is these are all free tools that are available that you can use and benefit from so start with crux it will give you an overview of your website split by device category for all three uh, core web vital metrics it will also give you historical trends i think even user demographics and uh, then move on to Google Search Console to see which individual URLs and which URL groups or templates or similar URLs need attention. And then when you get that information from Google Search Console, move on to PageSpeed Insights or any Lighthouse-based tool to see exactly what the issues are in the page. Got it. So now that you've identified the pages and the issues, the metrics that need attention, the next question you may have is, how can these pages be optimized? What can I prioritize for, say, I have a couple of pages that are problematic. Which improvements should I plan with a developer? Which ones can be done quickly? What this is like right. in meat of this topic. So tell us how we get started about fixing the issues. So I'll give you two different responses. Number one is if you're non-technical and have, don't have access to a developer, that means you're probably running some kind of a CMS on your website and there still are things you can do because if you're using, say, WordPress and you have a ton of plugins and you have a theme that's resource heavy, you may want to test your website by after you have disabled some of the plugins that you maybe are not using and, and don't really need and switching to a lighter theme if you can do that 
and then run the same test in PageSpeed Insights again. And you'll usually you will see a massive improvement. Right. Just if because... I remember correctly, that's the clean first, then optimize. So yes, exactly. If you're like a one-man team of you're doing this alone, plugins and just, that you have, yeah. Right. I'll just... My daughter is watching something called Storybots on Netflix, and they have a song oh, about... Okay, that's good. They, 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 they have a, an episode about environment essentially and how environment is not only about recycling it's reduce reuse and recycle and then yeah. they have the song yeah. i'm sure you have it in your head now and you'll hate me for the rest of the day but that's the thing with optimization most people think about how can i ca use caching more aggressively how can i have a more powerful server how much is that going to cost me First, you need to reduce everything on your website that you can like remove all the junk that doesn't need to be there and only then should you be allowed to move on to optimization of the delivery of everything that's left. So like you said, clean up and then optimize the delivery of, of what's left because that is the only way to, ha to have really, really well-performing websites. Right, so, so that's like a, yes. the first step. Yeah, so that, that's for a non-technical person. Try using lighter extensions on your website, lighter plugins or no plugins for for some, let's say you may have discus comments on your blog or you may have that social sharing plugin that adds those native buttons i don't know yeah. if facebook still has that like button like you had before i'm i'm guessing yes that adds junk to your web page and most people don't really need that because you have discus comments loading on every page of the website and there's zero comments in every single blog post, that's an easy decision to make. The same thing with social sharing buttons. Like Most people know how to share something on Twitter or Facebook right. without a button. That button is there for Mark Zuckerberg to learn things about, things about your users and your website. It's not there to make things easier for them. Right. So I have to ask this because I get this a lot from um, our clients. Is there like a one magic plugin that you can use it to optimize everything that's like a common workaround that i keep getting that's the chart. absolutely there are not helpful i guess there, there are, are plugins there, there are plugins yeah. that help that can help for sure there are plugins that can help but it's like all. imagine talking to a fitness trainer and asking him is there a pill that will make me jacked up in three months without going to the gym same answer mm -hmm. get the hell out of here that's not how it works so you need to you do some hear, work. Or someone suggests a magic plugin to you. Just don't believe it and try to research more. I, look at your your stats. I wouldn't. I wouldn't believe that. No, I wouldn't. Be, I mean, there there are some very very advanced tools that can sort of automate this thing for you. But what we're talking about here, if you have, let's say, let's say your website has because. You have a lot of WordPress plugins and WordPress uses a lot of jQuery and old JavaScript library that was great back in the day. It's still useful, but it's not necessary for most of websites. It, it, it's so overused that there's, there's even a website, do you even need jQuery.com or something like that. So let's say you have that and you have 10 plugins. One of them could be loading jQuery 1.19.1. Another one could be loading 2.5.0 seven and the last one would be loading 3.6.0 three different versions of the same thing because hey why not and 
like there's no reasonable way to optimize that other than removing two or all three of those versions so there there's 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 no magic tool there's no magic tool the only the only kind of magic magical tool is not adding that stuff in the first place right so clean yeah. up first and then what can we use like there are tools available which one should right. we look into first right so there there are a few tools that even google recommends in this article they're i think they're all google backed or created by google so number one is lighthouse which is just an auditing tool that audits a page and gives you a list of things that you should improve in the page PageSpeed Insights is running Lighthouse in the background and all of the recommendations you get at PageSpeed Insights website are coming from Lighthouse. What Lighthouse will do for you if you run it in your browser, you can use it, you can do it in, in Chrome DevTools as well. It will give you more recommendations than what you just get in PageSpeed Insights. So it will tell you performance recommendations in your browser. It will also do SEO, accessibility and best practices. They're not necessarily directly tied to performance of a page, but also something worth looking into. So that's why running Lighthouse in your browser is a very, very good idea. Next one you can use is the Web Vitals extension for Chrome, which will just tell you what your uh, core Web Vitals values are in in field data or from, from Crux dashboard, but also from your current page load. And I'm looking at a page that I loaded earlier using this extension you can get it in in chrome extension store i guess it will tell you for example that 67 percent of all the page views for this page have good value for lcp and also that my measurement is 1.9 seconds on this particular page load which falls under that same thing for first input delay same thing for cumulative layout shift so it's a very good way to get an overview as you're browsing the, the page or, or, or website of, of where it is in real time. Exactly. So if I'm testing, Finally, like if I'm yeah. testing, removing plugins and then adding it back again, this is an easy way to see the impact of that. Um, immediately. Cleanup. Yes, yeah. immediately. Because if, you, if you're waiting for field data and for Crux dashboard, they have a 28-day collection period and Got you'll it. have to wait for it for the data to be collected again. So this is the best way. Just kill something and see if, if anything changes. Yes, that's but an ideal way to look at extension. it. Okay. Right. And finally, there's Chrome DevTools or DevTools in other browsers as well. If you look at things like Network tab, you can see all of the requests that the page is making for all the CSS files, JavaScript files, fonts, images, anything. And you may see a lot of things happening there that are not really necessary, especially on the initial page load. So look at Chrome DevTools and look at the the waterfall view there to see which request is made early, which is prioritized. For example, if you have an image that is your LCP element, you want to prioritize that request and make it as soon as possible. So you can have that image available when the page is being rendered. You don't want to leave loading of the image for when the page has started rendering and things like that. So the three tools, let's just recap. And again, this is if you want to get technical. For non-technical people with no access to developers, ideally, you'll, you'll just get familiar with what your values are and try removing some of the elements or some of the plugins that you added and seeing what the results is, what the results are when you remove them. Lighthouse to audit a page, you can use that. You can run Lighthouse many different ways. PageSpeed Insights is one of them. Web Vitals extension to monitor the fixes and the improvements in real time. 
and Chrome DevTools to really see what's going on in the page. Like for me, when I'm working with a page and trying to optimize a page, DevTools is is just something I wouldn't be able to do it without. You need to right. have DevTools right. to so understand what's going on. These tools, they just don't tell you like what your scores are, but also the main issues, The I guess they also kind of give you the priority of which... Um, 100% issue yep. needs more attention which can save more time or lesser will give you lesser know, and if you run if you run lighthouse on a page it will give mm -hmm. you recommendation like eliminate render blocking resources for example and it would tell you exactly which resources are render blocking meaning until they're processed the page cannot be rendered and it will tell you why and how what how many seconds you would be able to save although save, that's correct. in lab data on an on mm -hmm. emulated slow connection with a, an old and slow device but still if it tells you you can save five seconds if you fix these render blocking resources it's not going to be five seconds for your real users but it's going to be some time at least so if you cut that down from from five to two seconds in lab data and let's say you have uh, it, it's one second for, for an actual user, you can probably cut it down to 0 0.5. So don't trust the numbers. Don't, don't expect those numbers of, of milliseconds of improvement to be real for your real users. Be accurate, yep. But, but yeah, Hard it's a good guide. Prioritize yes. which one to fix first. So with exactly. um, just going back to the three core web vitals and based on what we've been working on, what are the main things that you usually start fixing. So for, for CLS, what usually causes, what's the main cause and what would you start optimizing to fix the CLS? I'm, issue, I'm glad, LCP I'm glad you asked that. I'm FID. glad you asked yeah. that. So let's just go through all three code web vitals one by one and, and just I'll explain yep. what the main issues tend to be. For LCP, largest contentful paint, which means the time your browser or your user's browser needs to display the largest paint above the, the largest contentful paint element above the fold, which could be an image, image which could be a heading. heading, it could be whatever. Yes. Now, to understand what affects that, you need to know how browsers render a page. The browser needs to process the HTML document first, HTML outline of the page. Then it needs to process all the CSS files that are loaded in a traditional or standard way and all the JavaScript files that are not loaded in a way that's not render blocking. So that means it needs to see which elements it will need to display in the page and then go through CSS and JavaScript to know where those elements will be and what they will look like because CSS is nothing but visual rules that tell the browser how to display an element. So you have columns, you have your text, paragraphs, all that stuff. The more render blocking code you have, the longer it will take for the browser to process all of that and to display the elements or paint the page. Right. And usually and it's going to be that. a lot of unused, yeah. unused CSS. Usually it's going to be a lot of unused CSS because then you're just, you're making it more difficult for the browser. And based on the work that we're doing for our clients, I think 80 to 90% of CSS that's loaded is unused in, in any given page. Which means you're making it, what, five, six, seven, ten times more difficult for the browser to process the page than, you, than it actually needs to be. And that's where you get a delay. And that's why the LCP time is higher than it should be. 
So that's for LCP. JavaScript is the same if it's render blocking, of course, because it may affect how elements are displayed. For FID... So, sorry, yeah. so what you need to do is to make sure that you're loading your most important elements first and defer the whatever CSS you have there that are, or you, remove the unused you've CSS. Lear you've learned a lot. <laughs> you've learned a lot. That is exactly what you should be doing. You, I mean, yeah. just like we talked about this earlier, prioritize what matters, right? That's that's the optimization. It's just prioritize the important things and everything else in the page that's necessary, just defer it, load it later. So let's say you yeah. have mobile view of the page and you have one element that's that's above the fold. The CSS for that one element is really important and needs to be displayed right away. The CSS for the footer, you can load that after the page has finished rendering. It doesn't really matter because there will still be time before the user scrolls down and sees the footer. So that that's really how it is. Right. Uh, next, um, let, let's let's move on to the next one. That's that's first input delay. That is the number of milliseconds it takes for the browser to respond to first input by the users. Click, tap, whatever Click. it is. Yes, yes. Now let's talk about why a browser may not be able to do that if it's working on on some other task in its main thread, meaning it, it's it's calculating something essentially. It needs to finish that task before it can respond to a new one. That's really the, the, the most basic way of, of of explaining what happens here. So you need to be technical to fix this. But the thing we described earlier, if you just try to remove things, it will remove extra code as well. Essentially, your JavaScript code needs to be written in a good way that doesn't have those tasks that are running for a long time. Because the more you have those tasks running for like 100, 200 milliseconds, greater chance is that they will overlap with the time someone clicks or taps something in a page and the browser will not be able to respond right. Unnecessary JavaScript code is the most okay. common reason why this happens. Exactly. Again, reduce, reuse, recycle, that, that whole logic, it applies here I'm as well. You need until nighttime. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but I think it was it, it, it's a good example for what you need to do with a web page. Reduce, like reduce is the number one thing. Always, always think about reducing what is being loaded in the page. That's the first thing in fixing. And finally, CLS. This is a little bit different because the Storybots principle doesn't apply here. But still, if you have some ads that are loading that don't have the vertical space reserved, yep. when the ad loads, it's going to push everything down, causing a layout shift. Same thing with images. If they don't, ha don't have width and height defined or embeds or anything like that, anything that can sort of load a bit later and just pop into the page and push everything below it down is going to cause cumulative layout shift. So for ads, put them in a div that has the height of the ad reserved. For images, define width and height. For embeds, put them in a container that has a height defined, all that stuff. Anything and unexpected this in the page. Is, this is the easiest thing to fix usually. Like usually said. it is the easiest thing to fix, yes, because usually it's just why on earth is this not already done and just add the simple fix, yes. Also, it is one of the most annoying things that can happen in a page because yeah. if you're, it's you know, if, you, if you're trying to tap yeah. something, yeah. Once you feel the CLS wrong tap issue on a mobile device, you know how bad this is and how you want it fixed. 
And I'm sure so yeah, our those listeners are the three. have experienced that because it's pretty common. Everyone has. Everyone has. Yeah, yeah. Mobile especially, yeah. right. So I think that's a good way to share some examples on how to fix and debug certain issues that can cause poor web, uh, core web vital scores. So that's let's go to the final step, which is continuous development and monitoring. So what, first, right. my question is why? Why should we do this and not just stop when we have all the green scores? Right, because when you go see a doctor and they give you some medication, do you go for the follow-up to see if it's working? Not really. You should. Yeah, same thing here. Most people don't really monitor their performance optimization results and, and core web vitals and all the other metrics, but they should. And it's easy. That, that's really the key here. And uh, Google has some kind of a research or study, I don't, I don't know what to call it, research, I guess, that shows that most uh, websites that optimize their web performance regress within the next six months or go back to where they were or even worse, it, it doesn't stick. Now, that doesn't mean that code gets stale and starts smelling. No, it means that there's new work being done on the website and that work is not as careful as it should be. Mm -hmm. It could be new content, it could be new code, whatever it is. So you want to avoid that, especially if you invest some money and pride into getting a fast website. And there are different tools that you can use for this. So we mentioned Crux uh, a few times. Yep. You can use Crux on BigQuery. You can use Crux API. You can use PageSpeed Insights API to continuously ping your website and check those values. Or you can use a simple JavaScript library. This is I will recommend this one because it's a tiny library that doesn't really slow down your website. It's called Web Vitals JS. You can add that to your website and you can, and we'll talk about this in a future episode, I'm sure. And you can then send those values to, this is my preferred way, you can send those values to Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics, and that way you can, for every page load, you can send an event as well that says, okay, for this one, LCP was good or LCP was bad. And then you will be able to monitor what kind of effect that has on bounce rate of the page or any or, or exit rate of a page or any of those metrics, page level metrics. So the key here is don't just fix it and forget it. This is not, I mean, yes, if you're not changing anything with the website, sure. But if you, you are... Usually updating. Correct. Add correct. images, it, add videos, plugins. Exactly. So you need to just monitor, even if you just manually, although that's probably the worst way to monitor anything, just manually because check. You will forget, you will get busy. And this, this tools, if I'm understanding it correctly, is it's a way to automate the checking and the monitoring. One, that that is the whole idea. Yet. That is the whole idea. Yes. So the first three tools I mentioned, Crux API, Crux on BigQuery and PageSpeed Insights API, they they read the data from Crux dashboard and that's a 28 days rolling value for those three core Web Vitals metrics. The Web Vitals JS is real time. It's measured from every page load. I think this is really the best way to do it. So you, you just send the value of, let's say, LCP. It could be 4.6 seconds. You send that to Google Analytics, to Google Tag Manager, wherever you want. And it's fairly easy to do. Right. Anything else? Like, are there other tools that you should check out before you leave? I don't want to mention, there are more tools. Uh, uh, webpagetest.org is a great way to audit your page. 
it gives you core web vitals information as well it gives you a lot more so if you want to get deeper into how the page is loaded i would suggest webpagetest.org there are many many other tools these days to monitor the same thing i i would say any tool is better than no tool if that's where you are so if you want to get started anything that we just mentioned here today just start there and then if the, if the tools are not right for you find something better that's really how it is right and the reason why we keep talking about core vitals is that apart from it being page experience back of metric and that's a ranking signal we've been telling you that it will improve your user experience which will benefit you not only with your conversions i know there's no direct relationship but here is a case study this is from, I think, a German publisher. I hope that I'll read this correctly. Netzwelt. Is that the, the right way to I would say, say so. I would say yes. Netzwelt. Yes. Yeah. So once they heard about the page experience update, they took the opportunity to also relaunch their page and at the same time, make sure that they optimize their site, work on their core web vitals, and we'll go through the main issues that they, they found. But I think it's worth mentioning upfront that because they optimized their core web vitals, their page views went up by 27%. And because this is a publisher, they earn money through ads. Their ad viewability increased by 75%, which affected... I'll, I'll, just, add, I'll just add something there to 27% jump in page views. This is Google publishing a case study about something that's Google-related, about fixing something that Google wants you to fix. So... If a large publisher like Netzfeld is optimizing their speed and working on Core Web Vitals and their page views go up 27%, I'm sure they did more than just speed. Yeah, if a yeah, large it's a whole re website relaunch. and Exactly. It's, I'm sure, like... Um, taking there's the UX improvements. There, yes, yeah, yes. There's a lot of There's things. SEO. There's all that stuff. So, cool. I, I like that Google is patting themselves on the back, but... I. It definitely or probably did contribute to page views. Yeah. Right. Which essentially improved their ad revenues as well because that's how they make money. Right. So just quickly going through the issues that they found, they found that, of course, they have high CLS before the relaunch due to the layout shifts triggered by their ads. They have a lot. They have different multiple size ads, which can cost that issue their lcp is coming in late due to ads being the largest paint or by taking bandwidth from hero image loading which we know shouldn't be the case and high first input delay caused by third-party javascript needed for advertising header bidding and other purposes so overall there are many issues on their site mostly caused by the ads that impacted their core vital scores and what they did first with CLS, of course, Stalbaran kind of mentioned this, what they do was blocking the largest space that they may need and making the top ad sticky and removing some of the bigger allowed banner sizes. So right, and, and by, by saying blocking the, the space, blocking the space just means reserving vertical space yep. where ad will be loaded. Right. So this will prevent the shifting, especially if you have many ads on your site. And then for first input delay, what they did was reduce ad scripts, providers loading all scripts with differ 
or async, like right. what we said earlier, just removing the junk or cleaning up any JavaScript that are in use, it will improve the in interactivity of your. And I'll, I'll just, I just have to recap that as well, because look at what they did. This is the remove the junk. They mm -hmm. reduced the number of scripts they have for ads uh, and uh, they loaded all scripts that are left with defer and async, which means non-render blocking. And they use Webpack or similar technologies for tree shaking and unbundling, which means removing tree shaking is just removing the extra code that's not being used. And then using simple CSS rules also helps because the more complex a CSS rule is, means meaning header, block, left column, right column of a long CSS selector, it's going to take more time for the browser to process that. So they just simplify things and remove as much as they could. Right. And for LCP, they prioritize the hero image and fonts use above the fold and optimize the critical path to take precedence over advertising scripts and adverts. This helped them, their LCP to be unaffected by the number of ads they have on their website. And there's one other section here that they mentioned, apart from doing all the core web vital optimization related tasks, they also followed other best practices in terms of optimization. So they said separated CSS for critical rendering path, preloaded the most important font scripts and images, avoid the lazy loading images above the fold and use font display swap maybe. Which is exactly what we do for our clients. Like the, these four are something that I, I have never worked on a website without doing them. So four things you mentioned, uh, separate CSS for critical rendering path. So critical rendering path CSS is, is really or, or critical CSS is what's above the fold in the initial viewport. That's what you need to load early and load that as early as possible before everything else. Like I said earlier, if you have footer CSS, I don't really care about it when I'm loading a page. Just load that later. Preloading the most important font scripts and images. We mentioned that in the episode as well. Just preload, make those requests as early as possible. So when the page is being rendered by the browser, the image is there and not waiting to be loaded or fonts or whatever there is. Avoiding lazy loading for images above the fold. It just makes no sense to do that because then the browser need to determine if it needs to apply lazy loading or not. Or if you're using uh, lazy loading through a JavaScript library, it means that it will load the, the main image above the fold later because it needs to load the page, figure out, hey, this should have been shown and then shows the image and then there's a delay for your LCP. And using font display swap in your CSS rule just means that I'm using a web font from Google. The page will start by showing a native font that's present in your user's computer or not showing anything at all. And then when it loads the web font, it will have a second of no font or no text being shown while it's swapping. If you use the font display swap, it means that there's no hidden text in between while the font is being swapped. So yeah, like I said, these four are really something that I don't think we've had a client where this was not something we had to do. Right. So I've mentioned the results already. I'm looking at the a screenshot here of their page speed insight scores. It's really astounding. It's 100% for mobile. And of course, their core web vitals are all green. So Apart from having that increases in their page views, their revenue, their ad viewership, I think it's more of really um, making sure that the experience of your user is flawless as 
interactive as it should be. So, right. And, and just to, to look yeah. at those numbers, because I have that page open as well, looking at their lab data. So this is a Moto G4 on a slow, slow 4G connection, I think. They have LCP element loading in 1.7 seconds. They have zero cumulative layout shift, and they have 10 milliseconds of total blocking time. If a publisher that depends on ads for survival, really, so it, it needs to load a lot of junk in its page, and it is still, if a publisher like that can hit 100 mobile score, then it's possible. And, and, and all these, then, then there's no excuse for any other website. Yeah. So I hope that real case study convince you to really be concerned about um, core vitals and start acting on or checking where you stand on your core vital score. So just to recap the three phases of that web vitals loop first, it's pretty straightforward. Evaluate your website health and identify your pain points. You can use the Crux dashboard, search console, page speed insights, and webvitals.js. And then debug and optimize. You can use Lighthouse, Web Vitals extension, Chrome Dev, Dev Tools. And finally, you have to continuously monitor your performance scores. You can use Crux on BigQuery. We'll save everything on the description so you can go back to it and check out all the links. Anything else to add before we close the episode? I'm going to say no, because if 40 minutes, 45 minutes of Core Web Vitals talk and how you should be doing, it wasn't enough to get uh, someone to start thinking about it. There's nothing I can do in 30 seconds to convince them. I'm sorry to say that. But yeah, just know where you are, fix where you are, and monitor if the fix is not regressing. That's really... It's like going to a doctor, going to see a doctor. Like you need to know what your vitals are and you need to, they need to tell you how to fix them. And that's lighthouse for you in this case. And then you need to monitor and you need to keep, keep, keep being careful about them. So just have a healthy website. Right. I think it's really a mindset shift. We usually just, at least with the clients that I've been working with in the past few years, sometimes just having a website that's updated is enough. So it's really more of thinking performance first, because at the end, it will ensure a great user experience for your customers or potential customers. And there are so many tools made available to make this process easy. And even if you're not technical, you can check and do it yourselves. So yeah, I hope that this episode helped you get started and try to adapt that performance first mindset, not only for Google, but most especially for your users. And if you ever need help with your core web vitals or any page performance optimization, please send us an email at hello at nohexnetmarketing.com. We can helping a couple of clients. Before, before you end the episodes, I'm, I just yep. need to say, I know this can sound intimidating for people who never work with web performance. This is way easier than it sounds once you start using these tools because they're, most of them have a graphical UI. They're easy to use. They just show you like red, yellow, yeah, and green. Yep. Yeah, they make it very, very easy to understand what's happening. Even Lighthouse that gives you technical tips on how to improve your page, it's explained in a way that most people can easily understand. So don't you be intimidated. This is easy. Credit to Google for that. Like they gave they did a great job. They did a great job here. Uh, I'm sure their their electricity bill, yeah. their Google bot <laughs> crawler electricity bill is going down if people implement all of this. So yes, this makes it easier for them. 
but also happens to make it easier for the users. Right. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll see you next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe.